Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with our subject today on probation after death. We're so glad you could join us today, and we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And a warm welcome to you all, and we have two visitors today, too, so <laughs> Shelley and Janet. All right, we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading, <clears throat> I'm reading this morning from page 65, Prayer for Oneself, and also a short excerpt from 195. I thank thee, Father, Mother, God, that neither ignorant, fraudulent, nor malicious mortal mind can reach me affect me mentally, physically, financially, or otherwise, and I know it. For God is the only power that I am not the victim of aggressive mental suggestion, nor the target of malicious animal magnetism, claiming to operate through any channel whatever. But I am the blessed legal child of God, spiritual, immortal, all harmonious, perfect, happy, healthy, pure, sinless, free, and fearless, and diseaseless, and deathless, expressing the substance of all good. Hold yourself constantly and consciously under God's eternal law of blessing, of happiness, harmony, health, peace, joy, power, progress, protection, abundance. There is no other law, only a contrary mortal mind lie, which you are awake and alert to and not under. Probation, progress, goes on until there is no life, substance, or intelligence in matter. Very good. It's beautiful. Thank you. Okay, the watching point. Watch number 53. Watch lest you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Matthew 23, 24 or try to eliminate the little unpleasant faces of mortal existence while you swallow or accept mortality as a whole because of the side it presents that seems good. To believe in good apart from God is as much a belief in mortality or a mind apart from God as to believe in evil. The belief that mortal existence has a good side reads the belief that it has a bad side, just as a camel's stall might breed naps. You will have naps, therefore, as long as you keep a camel. How useless to strain to kill the naps and swallow or retain the camel, because the naps will breed faster than you can kill them. The rule in science is to seek the destruction of error and falsity, because God does not like it, and not because we don't like it. 
since all materiality is offensive to him. Whereas when we start in our work in science, we dislike only parts of it. Thank you. Okay, comments on that. Well, I, where it says the rule in science is to seek the destruction of error and falsity because God doesn't like it. You know, I, it just keep remind, you know, any error, any time that I'm thinking other than what I should be, I have to remind myself that this is an offense against God. And that, you know, I'm dishonoring God, I'm being disobedient, and that really stops me short to get me back on track, because it's, it is an offense against God, and all there is to it. <laughs> Thank you. That's very good. And I, I, it makes me feel like don't go half-heartedly into something, but if you're going to get rid of it, get rid of the whole thing, not just the nets. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah. A little bit of error is no good. Mortality is the human mind in thinking it's in control, isn't it? I mean, matter is not intelligence. It's the result of mortal thinking. And Mrs. Eddy, you know, tells us until we get rid of both the pains and the pleasures of mortal sense, we're not, you know, that. That's what is required to make progress spiritually. And um, Mrs. Evans used to repeat regularly the human mind, which is the source of our belief in materiality. The human mind is a, is a murderer. It doesn't have a good side. Even though it tries to present to us a good side. Thank you. And the Bible clearly states the carnal mind is enmity against God. And so there you go. Right. Yeah, that's right. There's no question about it. Now, I've given this to you probably many times before. It's one of my favorites from Mrs. Eddy. It's um, in her article on day, but it goes along with this watching point. And that this is the quote, I tell you the truth when I say there's only one source of all good. The conscious recognition and acceptance of this fact acknowledged by every activity of the mind, not two or three times a day, but every few moments all day long, no matter what the outer self is doing. And this maintained will enable anyone to express his perfect freedom and dominion over all things human. I've worked with this for quite some time now, and it is, it is very true, because you keep bringing anything that's good back to its source, which is God. And that way you can't be fooled thinking that there is good matter or a good side of mortal existence. If it's good, it's from God, period. And to acknowledge this, not just occasionally, but all throughout your day, you are cementing your relationship with God. This is a highly important um, 
sentence statement from Mrs. Eddy, and it goes along with the watch because it says, you know, to believe in good apart from God uh-uh, is as much a belief in mortality or mind <clears throat> of God. And then it's in the lesson, too. And he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. And that's very important that you not see yourself as being good or as ever achieving anything good. If it was good, it was God was working through you. This is keeps you safe because it's the humility that is required to do the work for God. It must be. So keeps you from saying, Thank God I'm not as men. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yes. I think it's it, 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 it is also good that um <laughs> then all the source of all bad is mortal mind. <laughs> and that's what God has not created. So it makes sense what you say about you know, looking to God alone as the only power, the only lawgiver. He's all supreme. That's it. That's it. And that's why, you know, you don't think of yourself, you're not good, but you're not bad either. <laughs> you don't personalize mm-hmm. evil. And it was in that, that quote we had last night in our watch. And that was something that Bob had sent to me a while ago. Um, and I, it makes a wonderful watch. But it says that, what is the real the real dragon, right? The real problem is the claim of personality. And the claim of personality says, hey, I'm really good or hey, I'm really bad or whatever. It's, it declares a selfhood apart from God. And she says this over and over and over again in, in our work to make sure we are handling this claim of personality, a selfhood apart from God. There is truly no such thing. And and we have an individuality, which is our expression of God. And that's not good or bad because it's all good and it's all good because it's all of God. So I'd like to add a little something to that, Mary. You're talking about personality. Mm-hmm. And recently I have I completed reading the diary of James Gilman. And you know, Gilman was the artist. For Christ and Christmas, and he had to spend a lot of time with Mrs. Eddy. And I had written this down because it was, uh, it really showed the, the challenge that he had trying to get personality out of the way because, you know, he was thinking of himself as the artist. And, Miss, and Mrs. Eddy required, you know, had such a high standard for those who were going to work with her and support the cause. And in his diary, he wrote um, that Mrs. Eddy had told me when I was at Pleasant View substantially as follows, that I might know when I was unconsciously getting into the toils of animal magnetism by watching the state of my thought. If I thought it to be of the self-satisfied order, pleased with my progress generally, the pleased at nothing self-complacent thought, I might then know that I was astray, but that when I found myself in a sense of patient meekness and humility, dissatisfied with personal sense, and willing to do anything for the sake of Christ, I could then be reasonably sure that I was in the way of health and wholeness. 
That is beautiful. Thank you very much, Tone. You found a lot of really good things from that. And it was years ago that I read it. I really should read it again because um, it, it has so many gems. Oh, my gosh. I She even said to him when the whole project was done, she said, you know, I I couldn't understand why I was led to do so much work with you, but I realized that you are going to be of great importance to Christian science, something like that. I've got the, it's quoted on, on the little, on, on the website, but um, I would recommend, I really would. It's, it's the reminiscences of the recollections of Mary Baker Eddy by, by James Gilman. It's, um, it's an excellent wor- look into what I would say just as a, I hate to say like an average man, you know, who's not a mental worker who had to go and get purified and be fitted to do the work with her. Thank you. Yes. But, um, could I say something about that? Sure, sure. Go ahead. I just wanted to say that this is a really important thing for me uh, right now to hear because uh, this is one of the reasons I think that uh, people who see themselves as artists or have been given this work have perhaps problems selling work because the feeling of personality has to be overcome. And this is what I guess Gilman in his work was able to do, which is why there was this um, uh, ability to, to reach what Barry Bagaretti wanted him to do. Thank you very much. Very good point. Yes. Yeah, whatever you... And I don't think it's just artists, though. You know, other other people, too. They think they so they know it. Oh, I'm a, oh yeah, I know all that. You know, all of this. I think in in all of these things, we have to deflate self. Well, most definitely. It's not just a matter of artists. Or it's, it's everywhere and everything. It applies to everything. It applies to every possible career anybody could ever have and when you see the gift that you have the talent that you have or the whatever that you the skills that you have as given to you by god and to be used in god's service that is you know as he directs to bless mankind you can't lose it and it can't be misused and it can't be wasted. You know, and it can't be full of mistakes. I mean, we all make mistakes, but you can learn from the mistakes when you recognize that your skill is from God and for God. And everything good that you have, as Mary said, if you take it back, if you recognize that it's from God, you can't lose it. You know, you don't have to worry about someone stealing it. <laughs> Yeah, and if you have a personal sense of it, then you're liable to all kinds of things. Um, and all all that we're talking about goes along with this subject, probation after death. One of the articles that um, Carrie sent me was called Deny Self, and the importance of that um, as we walk this straight and narrow path, as the lesson brings out, you can't be full of self. And I know right now um, we are going through a, a, a testing time. I hear it on every side with many people, you know, because their healings haven't come right away, whether that is physical or supply 
or whatever it might be. And it's it, the reason is because there's a call to go up higher. And everyone must be willing. This is a straight and narrow way. You can't balk now because, you know, things aren't as easy as perhaps they once were. Or you didn't, you've gone a few months without whatever it is you think you need. Um, you've got to keep walking. You have to keep doing it because it's right. And you will be rewarded eventually. But testing times must come. And Whiners are not allowed. Okay? Yeah, <laughs> if you, no you whine, you're yeah. off the path. And I, I find it particularly with Christian scientists, lifelong, who think somehow they deserve to get everything under the sun with a few snaps of the finger. And that, frankly, is very obnoxious. Go ahead, Florence. No, it's it just it's like it has to be quick. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? I know. And I mean, uh, Florence and I, we both say it took us a long time. You have to be willing to just walk the walk and stay on that path, whether you get immediate rewards or not. I also think that that's when you're doing it for God. You know, if yes. you're doing it because it's required of you, it's not, you know, I want this. As the uh, watching point talks about, what does God want? You know, so you do it anyway, right? You do it anyway. And I know, as I will say it again, I never thought I would <laughs> really smile again. And here, it does come. It does come. But man, it was Anyway, never mind. <laughs> well, and, 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 it, and that also is in the lesson, isn't it? Citation 12, where she says, self-abnegation yeah. is a rule in Christian science. It's not an option. It's a rule. And everybody knows what self-abnegation means? Denial or renunciation of self. Yeah. Denial of the thought that you could have a selfhood apart from God. I mean, it all says the same thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Get the darn sense of self out of the way. And get the right sense of who you are. It's like the, the end of, is it finance, where he says, I have only to be recognized to be in hell? <laughs> so, yeah. Don't, don't recognize yourself. Well, and it means even if you are in hell, God is there with you. You just have to recognize that He's there. You'll be lifted up out of it. And many of us, I know there were times I felt like I was in hell. I don't know what else could have been worse than what I, like I was going through. But all of those times, when you look back on them, you see the growth and the change. This is the probation after death. Or before, anytime. It's a probation period. We are in a probationary period. So it's my answer to anyone who says, well, you know, I've been working now a few months and this problem is still around. Well, okay, so what? <laughs> you know, working a few years. Yeah, how about a few, how about a long time? And it never stops. Being a Christian scientist doesn't mean you're you're going to have this perfect life. 
If, if you think that you are here for the loaves and the fishes, okay, and, and you better just go off and do something else. That's new age. Yeah, it's new age. Do new age if you want. Yeah, when we're that, called to be servants, not masters. Yes. May I say something? Of course. Yeah, and, and it's not about giving up anything except false concepts of those things, right? Exactly. I mean, it's about a false concept of yourself, that you have one of your own. It's about, you know, when it says in the lesson, giving up mother and father and sister and brother, that's all. It doesn't mean you walk away from your family. It means that you give up that false sense of family, right? Thank you. Yes, I was going to bring that up next. That's exactly right. And that quote, and everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother, etc., is is carved in stone in the extension of the mother church. Mm-hmm. It's all light and light, the, the the things she put in that. And she handpicked each each thing so that she had, every quote, and there are a lot of them in especially in the extension. But that's exactly right. You give up your wrong sense of it, your personal sense. And if you have a personal sense of your family members or friends, that will have to be purified. And and guess what? It's in the lesson this week, too. Science or suffering. All right. So you can either purge yourself of the personal sense through prayer and study and cleansing, or you will suffer because of it. And that's not my opinion. OK, it's not my opinion. This This is biblical. And the suffering serves a useful purpose. The only purpose of suffering is to force you to do what's right. Mm-hmm. And I think when you give up those false concepts, you also, you get rid of all the baloney that goes along with, you know, supposed family, all the dysfunctions and all the um, personal stuff, right? Most exactly. definitely. Good riddance. Good riddance. <laughs> And that's the whole point of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, who are your brothers and sisters? You know, they're those that are, are walking this path with you. And, and they're the ones you have most in common with um, and can talk to most freely. And others will come along eventually, but you will do more good by knowing this and maybe taking some stands with them if you need to than by just accepting it and going along with it. And uh, no, we can't do that. This is, this is walking the walk. This is staying on the straight and narrow. It's not always easy, but it's well, well worth it. It's a lot harder. One of the articles was so funny. I mean, if, why would you want to go be on the path of destruction? Right. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And if you go off the path, you're on the path of destruction. So, you know, who wants to do that? It might seem fun at the time. A few weeks ago, we watched um, The Pilgrim's Progress, you know, which most of you have heard about. I don't know if you've read it. I think I had to read it in high school. It's in a cartoon. We've seen the cartoon version, and this was a people version. But it makes a lot of really good points. And it was written in the 1600s about staying on the path and how easy it is to be lured off. It was written in the 1600s by a guy who was sent to prison for preaching the gospel in public yeah. in England. Thank you. Yeah, so 
So um, maybe since we're on that topic, Nancy, do you want to give to us what you sent me about the straight and narrow? Sure. <laughs> um, I found um, a cordial from Spurgeon called The Narrow Gate. And he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Be up and on your journey. Enter in at the gate at the head of the way and do not stand hesitating. If it be the right road, you will find the entrance somewhat difficult and exceedingly narrow, for it demands self-denial and calls for the strictness of obedience and watchfulness of spirit. Nevertheless, enter ye in at the straight gate. Whatever its drawbacks of fewness of pilgrim or straightness of entrance, yet choose it and use it. And I loved this. True, there is another road, broad and much frequented, but it leadeth to destruction. Men go to ruin along the turnpike road, but the way to heaven is a bridal path. Now there may come other days when the many will crowd the narrow way, but at this time, to be popular, one must be broad, broad in doctrine, in morals, and in spirituals. But those on the straight road shall go straight to glory, and those on the broad road are all abroad. All is well that ends well, and we can afford to be straightened in the right way rather than enlarged with the right way, because the first endeth in endless life, and the second hasteneth down to everlasting death. And then Matthew Henry said, no man in his wits would choose to go to the gallows because it is a smooth and pleasant way, nor refuse to the offer of a palace and a throne because it is a rough or dirty way to it. Yet such absurdities as these are men guilty of in the concerns of their souls. Delay not for, deliberate not any longer, but enter ye in at the straight gate. Knock at it by sincere and constant prayers and endeavors, and it shall be opened. Nay, a wide door shall be opened, and an effectual one. It is true we can neither go in nor go on without the assistance of divine grace, but it is as true that grace is freely offered and shall not be wanting to those that seek it and submit to it. Conversion is hard work but it is needful and blessed of God. It is not impossible if we strive. The gate is straight and the way narrow and uphill, but one hour in heaven will make amends for it. I love that. <laughs> Very beautiful. Thank you, Nancy. Yes. And the lesson also says, you know, um, that patience have her perfect work, right? that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So you're on this path. Maybe things are taking a while to work out, but you just keep walking. It will it will work out if you put God first and, and just keep purifying yourself. Some of these 
habits we've had for a long time, these habits of thinking negatively or fearfully or whatever it is, and and they require rooting, rooting out. And sometimes it's not easy, but it's well worth the effort. We would say, it said in the Revelations in class we had years ago, remember your first love? Yeah. And it, uh, so often I have to go back and remember the heaven when I was first healed. And then said, well, that peace and that beauty is it's for, it's for everybody all the time. To keep remembering and going back and saying, uh, you know, I'm not going to let go and lose that. They'll always get back to eventually to that point. They're willing to fight for it. Just gives the strength. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Craig. Like the allegory says, the mountain horn will call you back to the path. Yes, that's a good one to study and read in miscellaneous writings. The allegory, all all the ways to get you off the path, and and yeah, some of it is personal sense, wanting you to go help, and of course we we help whomever we can, and we go the extra mile. But if they're rejecting that help or they're just not ready for it, um, you have to keep going. You can't linger and um, or it'll try to take you out as Go well. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So you do everything you can, walk the extra mile, and you never forget them. They'll always be in your prayers, always. But you have to keep walking. They'll get what they need. They will get what they need. You are, Remember, you're not... You don't have to have them in your suit. No. Maybe it's not yours to do. It's not yours? Maybe it's not yours to do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. They remember the good you did at some point when they get and say, you know, that was really a wonderful individual that I was with. Mm-hmm. They'll remember the truth that you say. They can't help it. it it'll, it'll come back when needed. But you have to trust them to God. Their salvation is in God. It's not in you. We're not personal saviors here. Well, we do. We're examples. We do all we can. But then we know God is working in everyone, everywhere. And they have to come at their own pace, their own rate. So, and I love this. I always give this usually on this subject, but Mrs. Eddie in the Red Book, where she says, instead of being bound for the grave, we must... No, we are on the eternal road of life that has no sense of death. We must know we are on the eternal road of life that doesn't even have any sense of death. You know, we get it all over in the in the papers and news and stuff. That's why it's so good to keep it turned off. No sense of it. The eternal road of life. It's a beautiful picture. No, there is no sense of death, and we will. We'll keep on going on, and that's it. If we, when we, it's our time, we can walk out, but not in any horrible way. <laughs> not necessary. All right, um, Jeremy, you want to read the golden text? Revelation: To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Thank you. And this is what we've been just talking about, is this overcoming process. Um, One of the articles Carrie sent me says, um, 
I cannot keeps from keeps us from achieving our divine possibilities and conquering every foe. So think of overcoming. And when these experiences come in your life, whether it's financial or physical or whatever, know you can overcome through Christ, through God, and rejoice in that. It's time for rejoicing because you will grow if you stay on the path. And don't accept the suggestion that you cannot Yes. Think of the divine possibilities, okay? Stay with that because it is mortal mind that's always telling you, you can't, you won't, it's not happening. But if it's from God, if it's God's will, I can because God can. Thank you. And you can too. <laughs> All right, um, Karen, you want to give us what you found? In the responsive reading. Yeah, verse four. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. And I, I just thought of what's going on around the world too. Seemingly so many innocent innocents. And so I found this from uh, Gill's commentary. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress. The people of God who are poor and needy, both in a literal and a spiritual sense, and especially when under afflicted circumstances, in times of desertion, temptation, bodily affliction, and persecution from men, which may be here chiefly intended, to whom the Lord is a strength, he strengthens their hearts and his own grace in them. He sheds abroad his love in their hearts, which makes their mountain to stand strong. He directs them to Christ, in whom is strength as well as righteousness. He strengthens them by his spirit, his promises, word, and ordinances. Christ may be more especially meant, and it may refer to the strength and power he will give to his people in the latter days, when a small one shall be a strong nation, when the feeble shall be as David, and the house of David as the angel of the Lord, when they shall have got the victory over the beast, his mark and image. Very beautiful. Thank you. Um, this is what we, we need to know. We're, you know, because the suggestion is we're getting worn down with one thing after the next. <laughs> but no, we can't be. We, we're strong in the Lord. And, and every temptation that comes that we overcome, we, we become all the more stronger. And he does strengthen the weak, strengthens our hearts. And and to do this work and to pray for for those who seem to have been hit badly by the blast. No, we, we come as a shield to protect and help. And our prayers do go out with mighty power to help all those in distress. So this is definitely part of our work. Um, so and that that idea that the, the veil, the veil, one of the articles um, Carrie sent is not the veil, the belief in mortality. 
And this is, again, sort of what we were talking about with the moral mind and all of that. And it goes back to our watching points, this belief of that matter can be good. And, you know, we expect death. We expect to get sick. We expect all of this stuff. Um, no, thank you. Our expectation is from God. And we must remove ourselves from this false picture. And in doing that, you have the mind of Christ. That's what it's all about. And doing that, the mind of Christ is yours. And you'll see the world differently in its beauty and grandeur. And your whole life will be transformed. And in truth, there only is that one mind, the mind of Christ, the mind of God. And the action here is destruction of that false belief, right? Not tolerating it, not putting it down, not moving it somewhere else, but destroying it. And this is the state that we should and can get to. Because it's the, it's the destruction of ignorance. It's the destruction of every false belief, propaganda, all this stuff and the paraphernalia that goes with the belief that there is life, truth, intelligence, or substance in matter. You know, one of the things I'm also just realizing, too, is that as more I understand about working correctly in the science, um, the, the, uh, these dailies, the, the dailies, you know, the daily prayer, the rule for motives and acts and alertness to duty, I have, they've rolled off my tongue for years. But they have, there's so much more significance to them now. I, I realize, I, I mean, they're so powerful, and there's, they take care of so much of what we talk about all the time. And now they mean so much more to me. Just like the members of this church should daily watch and pray to be delivered from all evil, from prophesying. How many times do we prophesy? Well, this is going to happen if I do that, or look what's happening in so-and-so world. Well, they're judging, condemning. I mean, these words now just mean so much more to me in these daily duties because I'm I'm understanding more about working in this science. It's just remarkable to me That's how right. this is changing. And thank you for that because that was one thing, you know, we were taught here. These are daily duties for a reason. They, those three daily duties are a complete treatment. They cover everything. And they once do. you <laughs> no more not do them than the man in the moon. You just have to do them. They're like, you know, your bread and water. So daily bread, daily bread. Yes. Thank you, Karen. So important. They are powerful and they will cover any problem that comes up to you, you know, just not to forget or neglect your duty to God, your leader, the mankind. And that's why we handle the aggressive mental suggestions. I'm sick. I'm tired. I don't have enough money. Well, all you have to do is start thinking of that, and you will forget and neglect your duty to God, your leader, and mankind. Guaranteed. Okay. But if you do it, strength and power, whatever seems to be afflicting you, will leave because it's powerless. It has no power. You give it all the power it has. Now, this is something that Candy wrote in Wisconsin. In this week's lesson is a statement from Science and Health. This task God demands us to accept lovingly today. It's a quote. I looked at it and realized that I don't always lovingly accept today. 
One of the definitions for accept is to value or esteem. How often have I dreaded or reacted negatively to the events, weather, people, or words that came or are to come on a day? To value or esteem lovingly this day requires me to love supremely and to continually see all as he made it. And as the Bible states, he made all and it was good. Therefore, there is or will be nothing to dread or react to negatively. This is a demand and one I know I have to work on. So I thought that was very good. Except lovingly today. Whatever comes your way, don't think, oh, no, not that person again, <laughs> or whatever you think. <laughs> your love is just out the window. All right, Shardell. Oh, with all of this that's happening and working, God is with us. And that, that's why Jesus, I think, told this parable of the, the rich man and the poor man Lazarus at the rich man's gate just looking for crumbs, and he only had a dog to lick his sores. And Jesus said, you know, this parable, that uh, I don't know how much you want me to read of it. No, but, you, don't, you don't have yeah, to read yeah. what, what you thought about yeah, it. Yeah, I thought, it's very interesting. For me, it teaches about working out my salvation right now. Pay attention to those in need. But we are, we're never depleted by sharing. Also, we have sufficient warning from, and this is why Christ is doing this, just like the five brothers. Pay attention to the, what the Bible is teaching us. We would pay attention to the risen Christ if we don't ever or even listen and learn from the Bible. You can't do it unless you're working with the Bible, and then you'll know what to do. Thank you. And that's why Mrs. Eddy says it's such a paramount necessity that you read and study the Bible and why we emphasize it over and over. The Bible, Science and Health, Prose Works. Um, someone told me recently, someone been in science a long time, has never read through Science and Health, and then wonders why, you know, she has problems. Please, <laughs> please don't be guilty of these things. Can you imagine a mathematician claiming to be a mathematician <clears throat> when he or she never read a mathematics textbook? <laughs> <laughs> and that story is such a good one um too and here dives wanted you know i'll go you got to go and tell my brothers um and no 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 if they don't believe already then the heck with it and that's what i say to people oh how come there are not all these miracles going on right now if you don't believe what's gone on in the bible and actually what's right in front of your face now because many miracles are going on right now if you can't see it well then you got to work on yourself, not on you want to see more miracles or why aren't all these wonderful demonstrations happening overnight or in an hour or whatever you expect them to do. You work on yourself to make sure your eyes are open, that you are seeing what's gone on and what has gone on and what will go on. That's what you need to do, not be asking for more and more and more and more. You'll never be satisfied. That's a that's a well, he can work them in them. Whoever is asking can ask can work some of the miracles. Right. And that's what I had told that too. I said, okay, you do the miracles. That'll be great. Let's see how you do yes. it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. See what it takes. 
That's fine. That's great. <laughs> that is a good answer. You do it. Do these miracles if you want to see them. You're as capable as anybody else in the eyes of God. People that don't feel it, you need a change of heart. Yeah. Until they do that, mm-hmm. you pour at it. They, don't, they never, it just, it's waste. It just, uh, when they have a change of heart, then, then they can actually, you know, be part of the solution. Okay. Thank you. Very can you Yes, but I, I need to conclude now with something. So I'm sorry. Um, there's something I was going to spend more time with, but I feel it's important. So um, mainly because I've been getting it on every side this week. And that is about Bliss Nap. So first of all, and I mentioned this briefly, that Nancy, evidently, Nancy in Texas, Evidently, in the October Christian Science Journal, a message from the Christian Science Board of Directors, um, as it labeled to me, a sad day for Bliss Knapp. She said it was sent to her from a friend who was a, a friend of small smileys. He was in a Sunday school class. So anyway, basically, it is saying that they are going to make sure that the Liz Snap's book, The Destiny of the Mother Church, is taken from all the reading rooms. It is no longer sold. It will no longer be published. Um, And I would suggest to you, if you don't have that book, you get it. Already I've seen it advertised for $100 or more. Um, They're they're doing what they can to get rid of it. And they have already... um, Stop publishing the Tomlinson's biography, the Sybil Wilbur one, all the ones that Mrs. Eddy is recognized as the woman in the apocalypse. That is what they are doing. They are getting rid of it as fast and furiously as possible. This is a very, oh my goodness, it's just the sweetest letter you'd ever want to read. (laughs) It just is so sweet and loving, while in the meantime, what it is doing is totally atrocious. And Tom from New York, who also was made aware of this, um, said it's certainly one way to clearly to clearly define us as different from the organization. And this is this is part of our church. We acknowledge Mrs. Eddy as the woman in the apocalypse. If you don't like that, then go somewhere else. You can go to the organization because they'll welcome you with open arms. And then in the or, meantime, or- You'd be better off going to a Roman Catholic church than to go <laughs> <Yes>. to them. <laughs> and all of this, and I, I can't even begin to follow all of it. It was over a hundred million dollars, you know, that um, Bliss Knapp was going to give the church if they sold the book in the reading room, if they declared it was part of their authorized literature. And they have reneged, and they reneged in 1991 because they needed money, because they made so many mistakes, and they were so getting into debt, although now my understanding is they have billions. All of it seems to be based mm-hmm. on money, and it gives me, gives me no pleasure to uh, report on any of this at all. Believe me, I wish it weren't so, but people need to be informed of the history of our church and what has gone on and why so many churches are closing left, right, and sideways. Um, so, and if the conditions were not filled, the Fulfill. The money was to be split between Stanford and Museum Associates, which is, I guess, eventually what happened. 
but they took as much money of it as they could. Believe me, they did. And we have an interesting article on our website called The Los Angeles Court Confirms Christian Science Settlement from the Bliss Snaps book, The Destiny of the Mother Church. So you can read that. And then also, Carrie found, which I, I think I would like it on our website or certainly in our files. Um, I don't know whether we need end times permission, but the end time is written. It's very long. Um, Mrs. Eddy's Place, the Christian End Time Center, the 65th anniversary of Mrs. Eddy's Place. Now, we've spoken of Mrs. Eddy's Place. That was a pamphlet put out by, yes, the organization declaring Mrs. Eddy is the woman in the apocalypse. And, and they spent a lot of time researching it. They didn't just come up with it. They researched it and they came upon this. The things that Mrs. Eddy said during her time where she kind of demurred to it was exactly that, demurring to it. Because it maybe was not the time then while she was still here to say, look who I am. No, she needed that veil of modesty over her. But the time has come and it was predicted in perhaps, what was it, 40 years later. And that's when this pamphlet came out, 40 years later. So they now have taken that away and they have this new thing. Well, we we researched it and we decided she's not. She's discover and founder. But no, the, those other things are legendary. And, you know, also who was behind a lot of this in the 1990s was someone named DeWitt John. And DeWitt John was the teacher of the people in our church who led the battle against Mrs. Eddy, Mrs. Evans, excuse me, and eventually had her excommunicated, her husband and our church. So I found it interesting that name was there again, because he was the one who really put into practice that the, the um, Robert Peel books are the authorized. They're the ones you should read. They're the ones, and they're the ones that humanize her. And there, he, of course, would never suggest she was the woman in the apocalypse. So all this is going on, been going on. Some of you maybe know it and don't care, but all of us here who know it should care and care deeply. And this, this uh, must continue to see her as the woman in the apocalypse because she's not just some nice author. She's not just some nice person who did some great things. It's far deeper than that. You must know the history of our church and and um and the history of Mrs. Eddy. Thank you. It's like saying Jesus a nice man with some good ideas. So. Absolutely. Because major prophets they all they look for their position in the his in the past. They look for where they talked about right. their coming, Jesus found his and 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 numerous others. So Mrs. Eddy on hers. She yes. did. And she said it was up to future generations to determine it. Yeah. This end time is very well written and, and everyone should be familiar with it. It's, it's long, but she, she said when she was questioned it, she sidestepped it. She didn't deny it. And it brings out the difference between sidestepping and denying it. She it wasn't the time. <clears throat> so it makes some very excellent points. And as Gary's been saying, this isn't something we should believe that she's a woman in the apocalypse. It is something we should understand. We need to Mary, understand. Go ahead. I was 100%. Just gonna... Go ahead. I'm, 
it was because of the next friend suit. Right. And she was, uh, the claim was that, yes. you know, she had, yeah, had made a comment that someone else was the, the Babylonish woman. And it went on and had this huge court case against her. And she was divinely led to say the things she did. And those quotes can be taken out of context. And I know that the quote unquote Christian Science Church does that now. They, they'll use Mrs. Eddy's own words. Yes. You, you're, that was divine wisdom for her to say. She said, like, this little old white-haired lady, you think that's the woman of the apocalypse? Like, that's how she would answer it. Yes, yes. And that was reflect this vicious lawsuit, which was trying to undo all her years of, of work. So she, she had to be... She was battling personality. She was. This is the human mind in full bloom. And that is why we say the human mind is a killer. It is out to kill. And it will try to sound as sweet and pleasant as it possibly can to get its way. But you must be smarter than that. And Bliss Knapp was a very smart, intelligent person. He did everything he could to protect what he knew to be right. But they still finagled. And, and uh, um, I'd like to quote something from his book briefly. Ahead. So um, he Bliss Knapp quoted from miscellaneous writings. This is, I think, very interesting. He, he quotes from miscellaneous writings, page 308. The scriptures and Christian science reveal the way, and personal revelators will take their proper place in history, but not be deified. So my, my comments, when you read Bliss Knapp's book, some of it's just history. Someone took a train, got off the train, that kind of stuff. When he's talking about uh, 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 Mary Baker Eddy, it's very benign. Yes, there's, there's yes. nothing outrageous in this book at all. No, it's an absolutely. extremely benign book. They use that to shut people up. They say you're deifying her, so they'll shut you up, and they've done a good job in some instances. And the other one, other thing is his book, a biography written in the 1979 called Blissnap, a Christian scientist. It's almost, you can't find it due to Jeremy and, and um, Carrie. We, we got the last two copies of it that we know of. So you can keep your eyes open if you find that book. I forget who the author is, a ho hoped or something. Anyway, um, there's always a reason when they take everything, they don't want you to have it. <laughs> so, so it's a good book to look for. So we have we are in overtime now. We won't be able to end on anything, but think about all of this, and um, we're very happy that you could join us today. And bye for now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.